With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to your AI Fantasy Football Show. I'm your... Reluctant host this week because I did all right. No means uh, I didn't do anything special, but uh, yes, I did better than the previous whatever show that was, however many weeks ago. But anyway, I've already got Jay with me. How are you doing, Jay? Yeah, not too bad. It seems like a long time since we discussed fancy football. These international breaks really drag it out here, don't they? But at least that's it now till next year. I think it's March the next. International break, so it's full steam ahead with Club Cup and World Club Cup football for Liverpool. Definitely the most important one there at the at the last oh, yes. one there. <laughs> uh, we wouldn't want to be world champions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but as ever, we start with the scores. We we are aware there's the huge story that broke last night, but we'll quickly go through the scores. I know there were. Like 800 weeks ago, that's how long it feels with international football. Uh, we won't go through them, um, but I got 58, but also took a minus 4, so 54. Um, which, not too bad, considering the average is 48, uh, and above average is good for me. Um, how did you do, Jay? Um, by my standards, pretty average. Um, 62, I know that's a lot more than what you did, but... Uh, I didn't actually do much in terms of the game week. Vardy, uh, Abraham, Madison, sort of big point scorers. Martial as well I brought in a couple of weeks ago. And Mane was my captain. He obviously got a goal uh, against City, which was a long time ago, it feels like now. So other than that, not much to discuss. Probably a couple of potential transfers. That's about it because I've got a few players that are sort of got a few question marks open now after a few gamble transfers. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's time to get my FBL head back on and get back up in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll, We will finish on transfers on this show. But as I mentioned at the start, big story. Pochettino sacked last night, who we've kind of, kind of criticised all season on this podcast because Spurs had no assets, even though I have Deli Alli on my team for some god-known reason. Um... And Jose Mourinho was hired, I mean, probably less than 24 hours. So it seems like they've been uh, doing this in the background for a while now. But, uh, I mean, it was a hell of a few hours, that wasn't it? Well, yeah. I Well, it, it broke just before the last round of international fixtures last night. And I indulged myself in the joys of watching Belgium versus Cyprus because I couldn't Whoa. be bothered find anything else but if anything it was worth just watching Kevin De Bruyne without actually hating the fact he's in a blue shirt so that helped um, and then literally as I got home from my night shift this morning it breaks that Jose's got the job so 
Yeah, I've, I said to a few people last night we were talking and work, it, it strikes you that to sack him so close to this Premier League return to fixtures when he's had 10 days previous of the international football break, it obviously stinks of somebody being lined up. And then obviously Jose was the name that came out very quickly that it was him who was in the boxes. And before you know what he's he's got the the deal in front of him and the magic three years of Jose at White Hart Lane, if that's what they still call it, um, begins. If anything, it's very interesting in many, many ways. So it's just going to be either mental Jose that was flipping his lid at United and Chelsea, or is he going to somehow return to the coaching genius that he is because he's took time off football and when he's been on the TV on Sky, he actually comes across quite articulate and he seems like he's a, a much different person than he is coach. So maybe he's took some time and took some stock personally. And I guess we, that's the intrigue. You see, we all want to know what he's going to be. So we're obviously all going to tune in now and see what's going on at Spurs, which, you know, we pretty much was anyway, because it was hardly quiet there in the past three or four months, was it? No, <laughs> it was... Uh... I mean, they 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 almost went under the radar because we were always laughing at United a bit more. But seemingly United have not got better, but they've stabilised and found a spot. Whereas Spurs have just continued to to sink down, sink down the league. I mean, obviously we're not Spurs fans. We don't really have a rivalry with Spurs, so we're kind of neutrals here. Do you think it was right? Because it's always the argument when there's obviously a very talented manager there's a debate how talented manager I suppose but he's obviously been a big part of building Spurs into what they are but it's seemingly gone very stale and the players it may be a big statement to say but they obviously weren't they clearly weren't playing for him it's ultimately easier to sack the manager than sack 20 odd players isn't it but what what do you think is a neutral perspective whether it was right or wrong to sack him um, well I think first of all it Pochettino probably made his mind up in the summer that mm. he wanted out and I think he's only stuck around to sort of see them into the new season in the new stadium. This was the first proper season at that ground even though they moved in partway through last year. But I think it was sort of a little bit similar in a way to when we had Rodgers and he, he went into the following season where it wasn't truly harmonious there was not a lot of you know agreements across the board and mm. I think he's brought Tottenham as far as he can probably go and I think he said himself the Champions League final was pretty much the furthest he could take them you can't you can't take a team much further in club football other than win it um, but you know he faced a six time European champion so we, we'll just let that one slide um, <laughs> but if you just if you look at his last five games lost drawn lost drawn drawn so they've picked up two points in five um they've not won away from home in 10 games they've only scored one more goal than what they've conceded they've only won half of the home games this season they've only won three games out of 12 if if anything you can't say it wasn't expected when you look at all the you take the love and the, the rose center glasses off and look at the the hard nosed facts that it's not going right for Spurs this season. Not what they were. Not not the top four challenges. Not the 
potential championship challenges that they have been in occasional seasons where they've 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 ran teams close. But if you strip it back, they're not doing their best. Um, and teams below them, I mean, they're on fourteen points, but the bottom three are sort of cut off. There's a three point gap. But Villa eleven, West Ham thirteen, Everton fourteen. That's all they've got beneath them. I know the league is tight in the middle and a couple of wins like United have had can spring your right up the league, but you just don't see where Tottenham were going to get a win. So when you take the say the rose tinted glasses off, it kind of wasn't a surprise when he did get sacked. But it's his name that sort of suggests why why would you sack Pochettino because he's done so well. But I guess, you know, no one's unsackable in this world. It's very true. It's very true. I imagine by the summer, I'm going to guess Pochettino's either at one of United or Real Madrid, or maybe Bayern Munich if they've not well, hired someone. But, uh, I United would suggest Bayern Munich, personally. I think he he goes to Bayern Munich because they've appointed a temporary manager, or however they want, caretaker, whatever you want to call it. And they've said he's got the job till Christmas. Now they obviously have a six or seven week pre- uh, mid-season break. Mm. Ideal opportunity if you was going to put Potchin. He has six or seven weeks out now. He can go on holiday. He can probably prune his garden because that's what they call it. Um, and just take stock himself and relax. And if he went into Bayern Munich, the chances are they've probably only got two or three teams to challenge them. In terms of going for that league title, it could be a monkey off his back in terms of getting a, a trophy. And the German league, as good as it is, they only really have a couple of challenges. Obviously, Dortmund are not really there this season. Leipzig, sort of. Um, at the moment, you've got Munch and Gladbach, who are top. So you just imagine the dominance that Bayern have got in German football. It might be easier for them to go there than have a couple of successful years and just build a, build the status and the CV back up and then maybe have a pop of coming back to the Premier League or going to Real Madrid, which obviously seems the inevitable destination. But I think Bayern makes most sense for him and probably for Bayern as well because they'd be getting a good young coach who's got credentials around Europe and it gives them the opportunity to, to work for them and them for work to him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and obviously on on Mourinho getting the job, I mean, y- you mentioned there about his time on Sky, and it was pretty short-lived and very enjoyable. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with what you said. He's very articulate and refreshing, probably the word I'd use. Um, and him and Roy Keane's good crack as well. Um, but obviously he was, he, that was obviously always going to be temporary cost. Albeit he may be not... Today's manager, he's still obviously a very talented manager and it exploded at Man United spectacularly. But the first couple of years there were, I mean, fans complained about the style of play, but they always do. Um, But he did have success there winning stuff in the first year and getting second with an awful team. Is, Is Mourinho... He's obviously one of the best. He probably is still the best, regardless of Allegri, the best manager that was available. But is this kind of... It, it, I don't know it, I don't know how to word it. It's just very interesting, because Mourinho, I mean, he was at Man United, he's been at Real Madrid, he was at Inter Milan when they were at the peak of their powers, and now he's at Tottenham. It, it's, it's kind of, it feels like something new 
to me that in in the time I've seen Jose Mourinho be a manager, this is this is like again a start of a project rather rather than coming in and just injecting something. Is is this a completely new challenge for someone like a Jose Mourinho? Yeah, I think that's why it's it's so interesting and so intriguing and also surprising that he went there because, as you say, his previous clubs he's managed, he's gone in where the they're pretty much at the peak of the powers or very near to, and they've had money to spend. We speculate on whether Spurs have got money to spend. They spent a few quid in the summer, but, you know, Daniel Levy's hardly flashing the cash around. And the summer transfers they brought in, Lo Celso, Wendon Belly, and they brought someone else in, I can't put my name on there. Um, but they've hardly set the world alight. Wendon Belly's had a couple of good games, but he's taken time to settle. Lo Celso... If he's featured at all, he's come off the bench. Um, and there's a lot of players with the contracts running out and there's a lot of aging players, even though Jose likes a, an experienced player. We've seen that, especially at United. He, he brought Matic in, I think, as his first transfer and he reverted back to matter a lot. Um, but it's an interesting one. I, I guess that's why we were all sort of probably talking about it because you wouldn't have expected Jose to go there but there was not really much else left to do I was I was expecting him to just hold out for the PSG job because that was the club that you know they have the money they dominate the league it would have been easy for him to go in and his main focus would have just been try to get the Champions League because the, the French League is 95% sewn up anyway in the whole season with PSG Um that was that was the standout for me in terms of where else he could have gone because he's been pretty much across the rest of Europe. Um, I just didn't foresee him going to Germany because I don't think the German fans and football people would take to him the way he is as a person. So, yeah, I guess we we sit back and we, we see what the Jose show brings, I suppose. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. It's certainly going to be interesting. But let's get on to the fantasy bit, and we'll stick with Tottenham. Um, new manager bounce, obviously a very different style of player. I imagine it's going to still be a wait and see for most people, but if, you, if you're stupid like me and already have Tottenham players, I mean, we talked a little bit before we started recording. Is it worth just sticking with them because... I'm, my season's fucked, <laughs> fucked anyway, on here. <laughs> um, but is it just worth? Is it worth just seeing if the new manager bounces and how how he sets up? Because we we talked before we started, as I said. Um, I think it'll suit Harry Kane um, and the three behind Harry Kane. What what we said maybe Ali is the ten son on one wing, and then Lamella mm. maybe is the workhorse, yeah. or Lucas as the natural winger um, if they want to play like that. It, 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 seemingly, it seemingly suits Mourinho if he sticks to his 4 2 3 1 like he usually does. Yeah, they've got the, the players to plug in them holes quite easily. Um, I'll just run through their first five or six fixtures that they've got. Um, this, they start this weekend, they actually start the Premier League fixture weekend. Uh, they're on telly, BT Sports, half 12 for those who take note. Um, West Ham away, which. Local derby as such as a based in London. So West Ham have already been trolling them on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen the video where they've put a little clip up of all the results that West Ham have had against Jose teams where West Ham have had the better of them. So there's already a little bit of needle there put in. 
obviously the circus is going to be around Jose anyway. Um, then they've got a Champions League game next week. Um, I think that could be an away game. Um, I'll just double check for you right now. And then the next league game at home, Jose's first home match is Bournemouth. Nice fixture. Then the following midweek, they go to United, which is interesting to say the least um, in terms of what they've got. And then they've got a home game against Burnley and an away game against Wolves. And the Champions League fixture is a, sorry, it's a home to Olympiacos. They're in good stead in terms of their group. I think if they win that one, they've practically qualified because they're four points clear of Red Star Belgrade now who travel to Bayern Munich. So, a win could see them qualifying. You know, that's going to buy him a little bit of fan love. Yeah, yeah, it should do. It should do. And the, the Champions League, apart from getting tonked by Bayern, it seems to have been the one promising place for them. I know they drew with Olympiacos as well, but they had good results against Red Star, which kind of... I think some people thought there might have been a springboard for him, but not seeming, seemingly not. Um but yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Uh, I'm going to hold on to Wally. As I said, my 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 season. Where am I in the world? Let's have a looky. In the world, jeez, you one, are one point seven. Wow, Be- beautiful. Um, I mean, the league, the league that everyone's interested in. The only reason you tune in is the AI Money League, of course, to to see how people are getting on there. That. And just just having a quick look now, uh, top. Is corner taken quickly, managed by oh me, uh, that's great. Uh, and we are twenty nine points clear at the top, and we go down, 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 down. Ah, thirteen. There you are, guy. Sorry, uh, I just had to go past Simon as well. Just you know, he's not top again, which is always nice. I mean, the money's in my PayPal, so you can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send there. some scouts heavy hey. down, don't worry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Right. Um, but anyway, that's enough about... Oh, no, no, no. Fuck Harry Kane. I'd say this weekend is the ideal opportunity to fuck Harry Kane. Yes, absolutely. 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 Um, yeah, well, before we finish on Spurs, you, you mentioned the fixtures there. They're not... <sighs> They're not the worst, but is it is it still? I mean, it's it's a very big change going to Joseph from Poch, isn't it? Is it is it very much wait and see? Or I mean, if you're in a desperate sp- position like me, is it? Would you gamble? Or, I I don't like advocating, but would you gamble on someone like Kane? Maybe Son's less of a gamble. Maybe the defense will improve as well because I imagine what Mourinho could bring instantly. Yeah, you you could definitely look at these points and say. There's a potential for a, a discussion there. I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling through the fixtures. If you want a nice Christmas fixture, 22nd of December, Chelsea go to Spurs Beautiful. on a Sunday. So, Beautiful. Uh, yeah, um, I think Son is the obvious one in terms of he was a player last season on FPL and he, he scored a lot of points. He's not really got fire in this season. He's had a couple of decent appearances and a Quite a lot of mediocre, but that's pretty much spares in a nutshell. Um, there's not much to pick from spares, and the the defenders in terms of FPL wise are quite pricey, and mm. that could could prove 
to pay the right sort of dividend if if Jose gets them tight at the back. But then you've only got to look between the sticks. I mean, Gazaniga had a had a great game against Liverpool, but if Larice comes back and he goes back to Larice, he's he is a car crash. He's he's not reliable. Um, he's not a Jose type of keeper. Um, in terms of a, a commanding presence, yeah. which obviously you'd expect with like Petr Cech and Courtois uh, when he, was, when he yeah. was at Chelsea. I mean, the guy at United was their only star player. For yeah, years, so. he's a bit more passive than them, but he, he, yeah, but, he, he got them top four on his own for three years. Or something. So <laughs> that's my only question mark on Tottenham's defence is the guy between the goal is just not good enough for them. But, you know, he, he could go out in January and snap up a goalie from somewhere we don't know we I mean that'll be interesting as well just to see what happens in January will Daniel Levy loosen the purse strings and give Jose a few quid because I think Sky said there is money available mm, well he's hardly had much success in his transfer market at United I know there is an issue of who buys who at United mm. he's, but, he- he's head coach at Tottenham so that would indicate he's part, he'd be part of the process obviously but he won't do the whole they thing. have a famous transfer committee like yeah. every club does, but doesn't label it like we did. Yeah, uh, mm, it'll be interesting. Um, I think that's the, the the way to describe this whole Mourinho to Spurs thing yeah, is just it interesting. Really is. It is, it is, it is. It is. Uh, and, I mean, Spurs will probably be on TV this weekend. So yeah, the, this weekend they are. Um, that's against West Ham, as I've just said. It's almost, it's almost like they knew. <laughs> um, um, but, but then, no, the, I mean, the ludicrous midweek round of fixtures, that is the third and fourth of December, when Man United host Spurs, mm, I imagine. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. But as Liverpool fans that predominantly probably listen to this podcast, Liverpool host Everton that night. Oh, so, is that the same day? Arch. Yeah. So that's not probably going to be on the top of your list. And it's also on Prime Video. So unless you've uh, got multiple Amazon devices available. Um, and then they're not... Well, the, the festive period, they are, say, the 22nd, they host Chelsea. That's on Sky Sports Half 4 on a Sunday. Then the Boxing Day fixtures, they're the half 12 kickoff, so you can actually tune in and get them. Mm. That's on Prime Video as well. Um, but the fixtures, as we know, spread across the whole day with Liverpool closing the day at 8 o'clock at Leicester, which is stupid. Um, oh, is that on Boxing Day? It is, yes. That's a that's fair a, day. That's fucking horrendous for people. <laughs> okay, Any Anyone who travels the game, even home fans for Leicester, it's completely wrong because... It just ruins your whole festive period. For me, mm. festive fixtures, I know we're going a little bit off piste here, but three o'clock, Boxing Day, that's your festive football. I know it sounds old and traditional, but you know, Christmas is traditional and old, so let's just keep the festive football at three o'clock. At the very worst, maybe a half twelve, maybe a half five, but that's not good enough for me in terms of you can't enjoy yourself on Christmas and get up and go to the game at 11 o'clock Boxing Day morning. You, the atmosphere is going to be flat as a pancake. And then half five on a boxing night, you know, people like to spend time with the families, go out and enjoy themselves. And you spend them three hours and if you're even at football, keep it free, keep it nice and simple. Um, but back to Tottenham's fixtures, the next two, Norwich away and Southampton away are both on telly as well. So 
maybe Sky have foreseen this and, you know, Lions want mm. more for a few fixtures. Maybe, well, they had to be in the negotiations because he was employed <laughs> by them. <laughs> well, yeah, he was. And, and as you said, it was it was fun while it lasted, especially him and Roy. Um, that was fun. At least we still got Roy in sooner. That'll be fun. Um, yeah. Unless someone snatch, snatches up Roy and then, then Sky can go back to being abysmal. But anyway, um, that is, well, that's almost a new segment for this, but we did kind of keep it fantasy with the players and stuff. So let's get into, well, last game week's results, I should say, uh, rather than week. Um, Leicester, we mentioned them in the top four race. Uh, towards the start of the show, or even before we recorded, I can't really remember. They are still good. They uh, beat Arsenal. I can't remember the game too well, but it was 2 0, and I remember it being fairly comfortable. They're seemingly, I think they're like a statistical anomaly, but they're seemingly a top four contender. I mean, they're above Man City now. Yeah, well, they won the last four in a bounce. Um, and I watched the most of that game. And Leicester were really good. Like they, they dominated them, um, mm. especially in the first half. They, they pulled Arsenal apart, and it was just a, a case of when, not if, they were going to score. And I guess that's the the demons that haunt Arsenal is when they're good, they can be pretty impressive, but when they're bad, they're absolutely terrible. Um, but yet they've snuck their way up into second position level on points with Chelsea, but what strikes you most is the goal difference. They've scored 29 and only conceded eight. Now, I know a few players, especially in our league, have Soyuncu in their team, mm. and a couple may have Pereira. Um, but I've obviously, I've got with Vardy and Madison because they're your, they're your goals in terms of what Leicester produce, but they got the best goal difference after Man City, and Man City's goal difference is only plus 22, Leicester's is plus 21, and we're next on 18. Um, so they're, they're not exactly shy of banging a few goals in, and I think we discussed just pre-pod, they've got five, what you would say, nice fixtures coming up, and then they've got a couple of meaty ones over the Christmas period. But if you haven't got any Leicester players, then that's probably the reason why you're not doing so well in FBL because they are probably the players to have in terms of across the board. They're keeping it tight at the back and they're getting goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really are. They're, I think they've improved in both ends of the pitch. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm one of the parts of my team that's actually doing well. I've got Vardy, um, Madison, who seems to be a concern, but then he just scores a worldie. <laughs> like he does, yeah, he does bugger no. all, then scores a free kick or a worldie. Take the Southampton game, mm. nine nil, and he got no goals, no assists until the last what five minutes, and then put a free kick in the top corner. And then the Arsenal game, he was just sort of he was producing stuff, but he tends to be the pass before the the assist, and. Then he pops up with a goal. So uh, he's he's probably frustrating if you watch him in terms of an FBL standpoint. And I think, you know, Leicester have scored, no Madison. Leicester have scored, no Madison. And then he goes and gets you one. So he's kind of handy to have in your team. Um, I think Vardy's probably the number one striker to have 
consistently in your team because the big boys, as we've touched on in previous shows, like Kane and Aubameyang, even Aguero, obviously because he's in and out of Pep's magic fucked up wheel of rotation, that they don't start. He doesn't start every week and Aguero, Aubameyang and Kane haven't been consistent enough where Vardy just seems to get a goal pretty much every week lately. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's just, he breaks the system, doesn't he? Because he doesn't really touch the ball until he scores and and he's on penalties and stuff like that. But he just, he just seems, he doesn't do anything until he's in the box on fire. And I mean, I think that's one of the criticisms that Vardy was having probably in, I think there was a part of the start of the season where he didn't score for a while. And he seemed to be like, he couldn't hold up the ball and when, when there wasn't creating clear-cut chances, but I can't remember what game it was. Let's just look at the previous fixtures. Um, they just seemed to explode into life, and I think... Newcastle? Yeah, and, yeah, that probably rings a bell. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at, his, look at his points return just over the 12 weeks that we've been playing FPL. Five weeks, he's had two points, but then in the other seven weeks... Going in chronological order, 8, 16, 12, 8, 26, 12. So when he when he scores points, he scores them at a nice sort of rate. Um, I guess you've, he's just one of these players, you've got to just ride it out. But their next three fixtures, Brighton away this weekend, then back-to-back home games against Everton and Watford. If you've not got Jamie Vardy on your team, even though I do and I don't want people to try and catch me, I get him in, and the home games probably throw your captain's armband on him because he's good for the goal, especially at home as well. Yeah, even then, I mean, after the next three, then they've got Aston Villa and Norwich, Man City, then us. Then again, after after them two games, they've still got what's that? Five more decent fixtures after that. So that the Leicester seemingly until the two games against us and City, then another gap then they don't really have another two difficult fixtures in a row till the last two of the season, which is Tottenham and Man United, which aren't even that difficult at the minute. So it, Leicester seems to be the team that you can just plug in all season, maybe avoid for that two-game period. But, I mean, Man City still can't defend. We're, we're still leaking goals at the minute, unfortunately. But So you could pretty much put Vardy in for the rest of the season and forget about him, I think. that That's where I'm going with it. Maybe after yeah. a tweak around Madison and stuff, because maybe, um, maybe his worldy output is just a bit un- unreliable at the min. But even someone like Sionchu, I I probably won't move off of him. I think I got him, I think I got him at 4.5 and his price is going up all the time. Um, but maybe moving around one of the midfielders is maybe an op- opportunity, but Defence and defender and Vardy, I think it's just rest of the season barring injury. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in terms of just plug them in and stick with them. Uh, so Yonchu was still less than 5 million, he's 4.9, and he's only got 13% of people selecting him, so he's hardly widely owned. Um, Pereira at 6.3 is 15% owned, but They've only Pereira's only scored six more points than Soyuncu all season. Chilwell at five point seven is up there for debate in terms of an option to have as a obviously a wing back. He 
got a couple of assists for England, I think, last week. And he's probably the next best left back in terms of the whole league after Andy Robertson. Um, there's a reason why Klopp probably wanted him a few years ago and Leicester wouldn't let him go. But if you've not got Soyuncu, I've I've seen him mentioned, obviously, in our WhatsApp group. I've never really took that much notice to his price, but that is a decent price and it's a bargain in terms of the amount of points he's racking up with 55 across the season. He got eight points for the last um, game week and I say the, the fixtures are very generous in terms of what Leicester have got. I mean, you could even plug him in and bench him for the City and Liverpool games if you fear that City and Liverpool are maybe going to have a bit of a go at them and they might concede a few goals. So, yeah, I'd Probably will actually get him this week. Sorry, guy. I hope I don't break him for you, but it's only karma since you've broke a few of my players, Yamalenko being one. I mean, what is there to break on my team? I'm one point seven and one point seven mil in the world, man. <laughs> it can't get much worse. Um, it can only get better. Yeah. Oh, there's my there's my echo going. Hello. Um, I, I'm just going to leave that in. Why not? Um. Chicken goose on reminder, was it by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, but yeah, I'd say on you on my bench against Arsenal because I, <laughs> who would have guessed Arsenal wouldn't score a goal in the game? Oh. It's the only thing they can bloody do. Uh, well, yeah. they should have, I think. I think it was that was another VAR farce with the offside, or did they get that one right? Uh, it was Lacazette or Aubameyang, wasn't oh, it? Oh, God, I can't remember. It was like a hundred years ago. I think that was one that they may have got wrong I can't remember but we can quickly touch on VAR because didn't they have a meeting last weekend they did, yeah. say they're going to look at some issues so I guess I know it'll all come back into the line because like, club football's back this weekend and international football doesn't use it um, but we'll see what's what are they ruling Armpits offside, there's toenails onside, and is penalty given that aren't given, and I think handballs the... here and there mm. and whatever. I think it it's got a lot to answer for, and and it's going to be right under the microscope again this weekend, isn't it? Well, one, if I remember correctly, one of the main takeaways from that meeting was about more information for the people in the stadium, which is obviously a problem for Anfield goes because we don't have a big screen, do we? <laughs> do we? No, we are. <laughs> which doesn't oh. help. God bless him. We have George, who's about six years behind in terms of everything. Um, and a VAR, the situation will happen. And if you're sat... Anywhere in the ground, your point of information is the scoreboard that's in the corner of the cop and the kind mm-hmm. of like leash stand. And while VAR incidents happen, the crowd obviously get angst and you're just there mumbling in the background. VAR check, please. No penalty. And you're like, thanks, George. We gathered that two minutes ago by the time the play kicked off. But It might be something... I don't know, it might become a, a league in necessity to have a screen and or something for VAR next season or something. But well, I don't know where we take, could put it, I suppose. No, it'd take away the aesthetics of the ground. and um, I just think it there's, there's a lot to be said on VAR. You could do a full hour or two pod on it, but I think 
the information to the fans needs to be better. And I don't see why they've not taken a leaf out of other sports books, such as cricket and rugby, where the referee is in communication with the the third umpire or the technical referee, a VAR hub or whatever they called it in football at Stockley Park. And you can just hear the conversation. So it's basically as simple as he's mic'd up, like mm-hmm. in the NFL, and he explained the decision. Check for handball, please. Yep, check him. Yep, it's hit his hand. It was a deflection of Bernardo's hand. Therefore, it's not a penalty. Okay, cheers, thanks. Play on. And everyone in the ground would have a little bit more respect for the referees because they'd understand what the process was because at the moment, we don't know what to think. Mm-hmm. And you say you could do an hour on it, but it's just it ruins the it ruins the the feeling in the ground. And there's nothing worse than last week when we played Man City and Fabinho hits that goal. You go and absolutely mental celebrating, and then all of a sudden you have to stop because you don't know what's going on because there's a VAR check, and then you've sort of got a secondary celebration when the goal's given. But the moment sort of passed because it's taken 90 seconds, two minutes to get to that decision. And that's what's killing football for me. Yeah, it's, uh, I've not, I don't think I've experienced it in the stadium. Oh, God, how, how armchair and woolish does that sound? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not nice. It's no, just, it, it's imagine. really weird. It's not nice. I could only imagine. Um, but yeah, we'll move on from VR because we do tend to bring it up every bloody show now, and me on every bloody podcast as well. Um, back to fantasy. I mean, United's a team that we always mention, whether it's funny or less funny. But with the return of Martial, you, you said you brought him in a few game weeks ago uh, at the start. Uh, I think we mentioned him be possibly being their most important player. I mean. Uh, is his return just kind of made them actual usable again, whether it's Rashford or Martial or Dan James still probably gamble at this stage. I wouldn't touch anyone else in the midfield or defence really, but Martial and Rashford, I mean, they're still audible. I think they, what was it? Brighton they played last year. So it was three, one against Brighton. It, it, they seemingly make, he, he seemingly makes the attack tick. Yeah. Um, I say I've got Martial much to, Mark Roberts discussed, obviously, we know his feelings on United and Everton players. So, Mark, if you're listening, you can probably mute it for the next two minutes and then come back to us. Um, Chef United away this weekend, not an easy fixture by all means because um, they're very organised and they've caused a lot of teams' problems. So that'll be interesting. Um, that's on Sunday at half four. And then they've got Villa at home, United. And then they've got... Actually... They've got four home games in a row. Don't know how that works. Um, maybe that's a misprint on the website. But it says they've got Spurs. Ah, oh, sorry. It's Man City away. My eyes are just playing games on me. Uh, sorry, they've got Villa at home, Spurs at home. Then they go to City and then they host Everton. So that little period there around the middle of December, if you have got United players, that's probably one to keep an eye on. But then... Martial and Rashford are their only goal threats. So if they are going to get enough of them games, you've got to look at them. And obviously Martial's a midfielder. So at 7.8, it allows you to have a couple more 
midfielders around that sort of value. Obviously, Madison is 7.9 as well, as it stands. Um, and then you could possibly have De Bruyne, Mane or Sterling in there and still have some money available for what you've got up top. Um, so for me, it's it's a no-brainer in terms of having a United player because they, they can be good. They can be very shit as well. But they tend to have a couple of good results throwing one or two bad ones and then a few more good ones. So for me, I'm, I'm going to stick with him for now because he is a good player. And if there's one player I could take from United, it would probably be him. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, they've got interesting fixtures, as you mentioned. Sheffield United away, as we saw ourselves in our game, it was horrendously tough, uh, and they've proven it in other games as well. So, albeit it's a, it's a, uh, a green fixture on, on the FPL site, it should at least be white, if not almost red. Um, I would I would put that down now easily mm. as, a, as a free, maybe a, a potential for us. Going to Sheffield United, it's it's sort of become the the old Burnley or Stoke as such. Mm. Where can you do it at Sheffield on a wet Sunday afternoon in December or November as such? Yeah, it's it's a good point because I mean Burnley were that team a couple of years ago when they got like seventh, I think it was. And so, uh, Southampton, Sheffield United uh, are in that spot at the minute. Um, and their defence is not impenetrable, obviously, because they have lost games and stuff like that, but they're seemingly never going to get absolutely tonked by anyone. Um, but at the same time, if United win that game, whether it's 1-0, 2-1, or it, it's always going to be a tight game, Martial and Rashford will be involved in them goals because no one else is scoring goals for them. And I think that's the, the basics of it. So I... I it's not. I wouldn't bring Martial in for this fixture, but if you've got, if I had him like you would, I'd, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd play him. Um, so I imagine he'd be one of your, well, not most expensive, but middle range midfielders. Um, well, just touching on that fixture alone, as the league looks right now, Sheffield uh, United fifth on seventeen, Arsenal sixth on seventeen, United, Wolves, Bournemouth all on sixteen points. So. If United get something out of that fixture, they leapfrog Sheffield United and would put themselves within fifth or sixth position. And from where they were a few weeks ago, that that's probably the best they can hope for at the moment. So if they can be the best of the rest in terms of where they are off the field and who they've got running the place and stuff like that, that's not a bad situation you could say for them to be in in terms of what they've got going for them. So it's actually a bigger fiction than probably what it looks because Sheffield United are doing so well this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing because I think everyone has Lundstrom now as well. I mean, is there anyone else you've looked at in terms of, I've kind of naturally just gone to Sheffield here, but is there anyone you'd actually own from Sheffield other than, other than Lundstrom? I mean, Henderson, I wish I stuck with him, to be honest, over Pope, uh, but shit happens. Um, not really too much in the striking department. I mean, Moose has came up with a few goals. I think McGoldrick has, has as well. Um, but they're an interesting team, but maybe not a fantasy team? Other than defence. Yeah. yeah. I'd say most people have got Lundstrom. I've got him myself. He's he's a no-brainer because he starts every week and he's registered as a defender, but he plays 
midfield. Attacking midfield at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's racked up 70 points, which uh, if you were to say to me at the beginning of the season, a Sheffield United defender will get 70 points this season, I would have laughed at you because they were probably most people's tips to go down. Um, then they've got obviously fellow defenders, Ender Stevens, um, 51, uh, Baldock has got 51, Henderson, 51, O'Connell, 47, Egan, 45, Basham, 41. So it's all defensive. Um, Henderson, I know I've got a red triangle this week. He's an eligible for parent club. Ah, yeah, of course. Alone from United. So mm. that might change things. I don't know. Let's have a little. I have, no idea. I have no idea who their backup goalkeeper is. Well, I've scrolled all the way down. Uh, do they have a do they have a backup goalkeeper? Well Jackie Elka listed on FPL they got Jake Eastwood. He's on loan at Scunthorpe, so he's obviously not. Um Simon Moore, no idea who he is. Nope. And I'm gonna murder this fellow's name here. Michael Verips. Verips. Having a clue. Um Let's have a have a quick gander. I know we're doing this sort of off the hook here and we're sort of seeing who done what, but I'm trying to find out who played on their bench for them in their last fixture. Mm-hmm. And that might just give us a clue as to who actually features for them. Let's have a quick and results. Play some music in the background, listeners. Simon Moore was their substitute goalkeeper against Spurs in their last league fixture. So, if you're a big fan of Simon Moore, get him in. Get him in. Yeah. Get him in. Um, even doubt Phil Jagielka. Um, Absolutely. Previous form for playing in goal. So, I mean, that may raise the question in terms of if you were Solskjaer, you say to Rashford and Martial, get a shot in early, test him, see what he's made of. Um, he's not the regular goalkeeper does he play the same as they do in terms of they try and play a little bit out from the back is he as good with his feet you know it, these are all questions that have got to be answered but it's, it's only one game week um, and I think if you're looking for a bargain defender then you probably can't go much wrong with picking up one of the Sheffield United lads mm. um, on the cheap really do you, if anything they're good for a, a bench what I do use my players for from Sheffield United is if Lundstrom's at home, which obviously is this weekend, I'll plug him in and play him. And if he's away, I usually bench him, but put him as my first sub. So mm-hmm. he's sort of on the edge of if he does come in. Um, but most of the defenders are between 4.5 and 5 million. Only Ender Stevens is 5.1 because he's a flying left wing back defensive Lunatic who runs up and down that wing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The point one percent who have Simon Moore, get him in. He's <laughs> gonna. He's definitely. He's definitely saving like eight penalties or something. Um, he's gonna retain about twelve points this week, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yes, he's and gonna, some snake will have him as triple captain. Some time traveler prick. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um. 
let's move on from United and Sheffield. Um, West Ham started the season, re- well, after getting tonked by City, if I remember correctly, they started the season pretty well. Um, Haller was not a must-own, but he was, he was in that striker pool that we always mention every week. They've really gone to shit, like in both boxes. They can't score and they can't defend. Um, we've seen Pellegrini. Mm, he's been, I think, he's been given the dreaded vote of confidence, which is almost a bad thing. We've, I think, we've seen links to um, Rafa getting that job as well, which I think he's been linked to the West Ham job for about a decade now. Um, yeah. but. If he doesn't improve, I mean, West Ham were in a similar position to Leicester not too long ago, and they've imploded. So, what? I mean, this is probably less of an FPL question, really. But I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck's going on over there? Well, we can release it to the stem of the problem, and that was all from when you transferred in Andre Yarmolenko. That's a very uh, fair uh, point. Yeah. And since then, it's gone downhill massively fast. And their next three fixtures, Tottenham at home this weekend, Jose Mourinho, we touched on, Chelsea away, Wolves away. I don't see them getting more than maybe a point. And that's maybe a point against Tottenham because it's Tottenham. And... Mm potentially a point away at Wolves, but Wolves have sort of figured things out now and got a sort of formation and lineup going for them that works. They're not going to get anything out of Chelsea away because Chelsea are actually a decent outfit. We we always knew he was. It was just a case of figuring it out for them, which they've done. Um, it also coincides with Fabianski being out. Yeah, that's he, a good point. He's, yeah. he's the glue in terms of what they've got. Um, just on his little red triangle, expect the back 1st of January. So between this weekend as it stands and the 1st of January, they've got seven fixtures because the one against us is suspended because we're in the, the World Club Cup, aren't we? Um, so that's probably... I would love to have played them that weekend. Yeah, the, obviously, we've got other things on, but this goal that you've got in Roberto... He looks like they've just put an advert up in the phone box and said, anyone fancy a goal, a goal this weekend? And he was the, the first cab driver that pulled in and applied for the job and got it because he's, he's an absolute nightmare. If you're a West Ham fan and you look at what Adrian done for us at the start of the season, you're probably kicking yourself thinking, how have we got this lunatic in goal? And Adrian is winning trophies for Liverpool and putting in decent performances and we've got this clown but <sighs> I don't know how it changes for West Ham because they've got a lot of decent players but then they all seem a lot of individual and they don't really click as a team that always and seems to be the problem as well doesn't it I mean what... they, well, the scattergun approach to buying players I think it is with the people who run the place because mm. you think they had that one year under Billet was it Billet? Yeah, I think they, yeah, got, they, got sick. they got sick for something, didn't they? Uh, <clears throat> and that, that seemingly was, but ooh, it's seemingly proven that that was just Payet being absolutely mental for a year. Um, but you, you bang on about that goalkeeper. I mean, they had Darren Randolph, who's doing well for Ireland and Middlesbrough. 
Um, they had Adrian, as you mentioned. Even like even Joe Hart would be better than this bloke. This bloke, he literally punched one in his own net last game. Yeah, <laughs> he he has definitely won a competition to play in goal. Mm. He doesn't even. I I know this sounds really cliche. He doesn't even look like a goalkeeper. Like he looks really top heavy in terms of like muscular and wide and stocky, and he's got no neck. But he doesn't look like he's he's got a physique of like long arms or he fills the goal. He just sort of looks a bit like a winger or a bit like if you put a Damatry or a in goal, that's how he reminds me because he's just no one's short, scoring stocky and muscly, <laughs> but he's not really got the physique of a goalie. Mm. And that one he threw into his goal, he just had flashbacks of when Rain had done that against Everton and we had nightmares for a good year when Rainer just went off the rails. But oh god, uh, I just <laughs> I couldn't think what you were on about, and I just remembered. Oh god, the Andy Johnson goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> um, but West Ham, yeah, they're, they're in a whole heap of shit in terms of where they're going, and that it doesn't look bright for them in terms of what's around the corner. So the next few fixtures mm. are. A difficult. Um, they have a really good run after that as well, but but that, yeah, that but is um, Saturday. If, then I imagine they're playing meant to be playing us because they have a a part off. Yeah, the the fourteenth of December, I think. Yeah. Um, but the sixteenth, as it stands, on thirteen points beneath them. Villa on eleven, Watford on eight, Southampton on eight, Norwich on seven. Now. I'll put me neck on the line and say in three games week's time they're going to be in the bottom three and they'll only have 14 points because well, I don't see where they're getting points and I think three, Watford, Southampton and Villa can't pick up points. We know yeah, that. I was going to say that them three should really improve. Like Villa, I think they've had tough fixtures recently to give us a game. Grealish has been injured and I think he's back soon. Um, he's their he's their most important player. They should improve. Watford, they only beat Norwich, so they might not be improved. They shouldn't be there. Got concerned off what they did last year, but they are there. So Watford maybe, but South, I think Southampton have a good run of fixtures. Um, the Southampton have got Arsenal away this weekend. Good, difficult. Good fixtures. <laughs> um, and then Watford play. Southampton at Southampton mm. and then Southampton playing Norwich at home so there's two have six a, pointers I have a Southampton are going to be fine or they're going to be 20th in a few games time <laughs> yeah so I mean Norwich uh, sorry solid. yeah Norwich first away to Everton this weekend I would expect Easy Everton win. to win um, then they go to Arsenal I'm oh, sorry, they host Arsenal. Sorry, apologies. They host Arsenal. Easy win. <sighs> then they go to Southampton. So it's mm. a big, it's a big few games in the uh, relegation. Yeah, mm. even Watford. I've got Burnley at home this weekend. Very difficult fixture because Burnley are just a very awkward team. Mm. So they go to Southampton, then they go to Leicester. So it's not easy down there, and obviously West Ham have got a dreadful run. So those few clubs could find themselves either very detached 
or one or two of them is going to break away and sort of climb the table and leave one of the others very, very lonely at the bottom of the table for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, going off the fixtures and the injuries they have, it wouldn't surprise me if, well, West Ham sack Pellegrini and get someone in before January. Big Sam. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you imagine the fume? <laughs> it it would be glorious, though, wouldn't it? It would. They'd stay up, but it would be funny. Because they hated him. I mean... They hated him when they needed him. <laughs> can we just throw one of the team into this conversation? Mm-hmm. Everton. Yeah, they are bad. The host Norwich, as we've touched on this weekend. Mm-hmm. My... My gut instinct says they should beat them, but it's Everton. That then makes they you go... think they'll lose. <laughs> yeah. But then they go to Leicester. They won't get anything out of that game. Shouldn't do, no. Then they come to Anfield. They won't game. Don't, don't drink that. No, no, we... we don't drink tw- 20-odd years. That makes it worse. Don't, yeah. Just don't bring no, it No, 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 no. At Anfield, it doesn't happen. Trust me. Um, then they host Chelsea... Then they go to United, then they host Arsenal. That's all before Christmas. Oh, they could be in bother as well. They could be in a whole heap That's of shit. A... I, I, I'm predicting Marco Silva sacked on the 5th of December, which is the day after they've played Liverpool at Anfield, and we've absolutely made it them. Surely sacking, the an Ever- sacking an Everton manager for losing to Liverpool is the harshest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but... If we do to them what we've done in the past, like flashbacks to the game when Sturridge chipped Tim Howard and True. asked the Everton fans who you are, and it's I think we need to beat them handsomely because as sweet as it is, the last two years we've scored winners in the ninety fourth and ninety sixth minute with Manny and Rigi, and it broke the heart and stuff like that. You can rub it in the wounds that we've nicked it from you, but then they sort of think that they've been hard done to because they've had a goal taken and three points or a point off them in the last minute. It's more humiliating if we beat them four or five nil, and you can just laugh at four or five different goals. For me, living in Liverpool, working with Evertonians, that's a better result because. It hurts them more if you've humiliated them rather than just laughing and going, haha, we took the three points again. So, without to ruin the Christmas, but I predict my hole will be sacked after the Liverpool annihilation of Everton mm. on the 4th of December. So, Pochettino at Everton before New Year. <laughs> oh, no, oh, oh, no, Big Sam. Big Sam. Big Sam's going everywhere. He's He can double shift at West Ham. He's, he's in... In high demand this time of year, Big Sam. Um, I'm still waiting on Pulis to come back. He's also doing a bit of temporary work in John Lewis at the Grasso, so <laughs> he, he, he's got a lot on his plate, so someone's got to be quick and snap him up. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, uh, last one before we go on to captains and transfers and, and such. Uh, Arsenal, awful, but they have good fixtures. What do we do? How many times have we said this? Every game. Goddamn week. <laughs> and the the good fixtures on paper go on. Southampton, Norwich, Brighton, West Ham. 
on paper. Two of them games are away from home, Norwich and West Ham. Arsenal mm. aren't very good away from home. Aubameyang, top-priced forward in the game, or one of, doesn't seem to be doing it. And that was the reason I sold him. However, the week I sold him, he then went and scored against Wolves, but then he's back to his regular two-pointed again. Um, the only one I would look at would be Lacazette. But at 9.3, there's better value on the market in terms of forward line. And there is nothing else. Nothing else from Arsenal. Not even a defender because they can't defend. Um, Sabayos has got a red triangle. I'm guessing he's picked up an injury on Spain duty. And he's been shit anyway. Yeah. Hamstring injury, unknown return date. 5% of people have got him. Um, the only Arsenal player I would have in my team, but he doesn't do anything, is Gwendouzi. At 4.7 million, he's a handy midfielder to have, but he doesn't really get assists. And he's probably more likely to pick up a yellow than a goal. So, yeah, nothing there for me. Yeah, it's... They're, they, they're just a mess, aren't they, really? They need to... They've got their own managerial problems, but this whole podcast has been on manage- managers and stuff. Um, but yeah, they should sack Emery and just sort that out. Um, because it is not pretty, and they should be walking top four, and they're barely going to get top six at this rate. Um, yeah, I mean, it leads me on to the transfer, because my main transfer concern at the minute is probably Callum Wilson. Uh, I've got a few others. Like, Mount's not been in the best form, uh, and he's got a difficult fixture, uh, but they have a really good run after that. But I might want to go to Pulisic, because he, he seemingly turned up. Now, um, but... Hmm. Callum Wilson, I mean, the natural wants to go to Tammy Abraham, but he has Man City. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a weird one, but I do have 1.5 in the bank, so I have, like, 9.4, I believe it. Rashford? Hello. Let me get the math right. 8.6? 9.3 I have to play with. So, yeah, it'd leave you a little bit more in the bank, but at 8.6, you can get Rashford. Hmm. The only other one that stands out to me at 7.3 million is Jimenez from Wolves. Yeah. Fairly decent fixtures. They go to Bournemouth this weekend, host Sheffield United and host West Ham United. So, on paper, relatively okay fixtures. Um, he seems the most likely to get goals mm-hmm. for Wolves. Obviously, you got Adama chipping in and a Neves and Moutinho get the odd goal. But Jimenez seems most reliable for goals. And he seems to have got into his groove this season. He's, he's getting goals in Europe as well, but mm-hmm. last two game weeks, his returns have both been nine points. Then he had a quiet one against Newcastle. But before that, it was seven points and ten points. So he's probably in decent form. and He's got 13% of players selected him. Rashford's only got 14% of players, but Tammy Abraham, as you've touched on, has got 50%. It's just probably one of the highest owned players across the whole game. Um, there's probably only a couple more who actually got 
more selected than him. So, mm. no, oh, he's the most selected. Oh, God. Um, and then, then Lundstrom. <laughs> Big John. It's an inter- I think I think Jimenez is a quite an interesting one, really, because they don't really have, a, well, they don't have a bad run of fixtures. They have a bad couple back-to-back in uh, the end of the last two of December. Well, that's a million games away. Um, so that's fine in that regard. I, I obviously make money on that as well, which would allow me to reinvest later on. I, I could probably afford um, Mount to Pulisic anyway, which I'll probably do next week. But then I could also, I mean, later on, I could if Ali's still shit and Tottenham are still look awful, I could get upgrade him to someone else. Um, I quite like the Jimenez shout. It's a bit different as well. I'm not, if I was going to get, I, I don't worry, I'm not going to do it because I'd ruin him for you. But if I was going to for Rashford, I'd probably rather do Martial because he midfielder and he's cheaper, and I think yeah. he's more likely to score out of the two either way. I mean. I'll throw you the bone and see if you'll bite. Mm. Don't know if you've got the finances for it. Bobby Firmino. I do. I do. No, it's it's a gamble because he's not really scored mm. much this season or consistently. But because I was looking at I was looking at Lacazette as well, but then mm. I re- then I realised it was Arsenal. <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously that went naturally went to Bobby as well. It, um, it's just a, it's just a thing because we've obviously got more games than anyone, and we have a blank game week, um, not too far away. But then I'd, then I'd have three players to deal with rather than just two. Well, actually, that's five games away, six games away. So that's not too that's not too big a problem actually. But what I mean, like, he's not. He's, where is he? His recent scoring, I mean, he hasn't got over... Oh, God. Bobby hasn't got over two points since game week six. Yeah. Oh, God. And Jesus. <laughs> That's bad. But he had a little spell there. He got 12, 8 and 9, four, five, weeks 4, 5 and 6. And just looking at what we've got coming ahead, Palace away, if I remember rightly, I think he scored a couple of goals at Palace. Mm. Brighton at home, Everton at home. Mm. I think, I think rotation's going to come into it. That's the thing. No, as well. but no one really fills his boots. They don't. So but if he's it, still a human being. <laughs> yeah, but if he starts, then he he might just get sixty seventy minutes. Or if he doesn't start and things are looking a little bit flat, he's the one that comes on and changes the game. We all know, as good as the front three is, and as good as Liverpool are at the moment, it generally revolves around him being at the centre of most things. It does. I mean, this kind of goes on to the next, not my next point, but it, it kind of leads on. Salah's got a yellow triangle at the minute. We'll probably know more after Klopp's press conference on Friday, but we're obviously potting now on the Wednesday. Um, I mean... Once we're down one of the main front three, I mean, it kind of fucks our whole dynamic, doesn't it, in terms of fr- in the way we attack us. If Origi plays, one of them's going to get shunted to the left or the right. Mane's probably going to end up on the right. I mean, is is the doubt about Salah's ankle off-putting to? I mean, less Mane, but more Bobby, because he'll probably be the one who gets moved about more for Origi. 
Um, yeah, but looking at what we've got ahead, we can probably be careful with Salah at the moment. I think he's been carrying this for a few weeks and we've sort of just nursed him through and done what we can in terms of just trying to get him to the Man City game, which, you know, he, he did and he done well until he, he picked up the knock. Um, but I think what we've got in terms of league fixtures, we've probably got the opportunity to rest and manage him correctly now um, and give him the opportunity to get back fully fit and be fighting. I think our big game, every game to be big game for us, but our big game over the next few weeks is Napoli at home next week. If Salah is sort of questionable in any way, shape or form, just don't play him against Palace. And if you need to, have him on the bench against Napoli. Um, but Napoli themselves having a bit of a crisis in Italian football, so that one should hopefully deal with itself. And then we've got back-to-back home fixtures against Brighton and Everton. If Salah doesn't start a game to Everton, I wouldn't be too concerned because we've got enough um, to deal with what, what threat those teams should pose to us. But, yeah, it, it, it's a... It's a difficult one, but in terms of FPL, if you've got money, he's in the field anyway. So it doesn't really affect your FPL team as much as just what what affects Liverpool on the pitch. But I think you could maybe have an argument for Mr. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Mm. 6.2 million. He's, he's obviously in a little bit of form. The gamble is at what game does he play? Um, I I I had him in my team at the very start of the season. The first game week, I selected Ox and then realised he weren't going to play, so I sold him. Um, but he's only, I say only, he's 6.2 million, but he's only selected by 0.6% of players. And we are going to rotate players coming in and out. And I played the full 90 last night. Henderson was carrying an illness so we don't know he should be okay because he was back in full training yesterday by all accounts um, Fabinho played the full 90 for Brazil yesterday in Abu Dhabi I think it was um, Keita played both games and scored for Guinea but obviously he was off in Africa in qualifiers so there's been quite a lot of miles in terms of distance travelled um, Chamberlain obviously played twice for England but he didn't actually have to go very far. Kosovo, sort of across Europe, but he was backhandy. It was a weekend fixture, so he's had the full week. I, I could actually see a, a shout for him starting and maybe he's one to put a little asterisk over for keeping an eye on for the rest of FBL because we are going to have to rotate in the next few weeks and he might be one that jumps out as getting you a few points and some valuable climbing positions. Yeah, it, it's it's always it's always important finding differentials on on well, pretty much other than Man City at the minute. Well, Man City, I think they're fourth at the minute, but they're still the best attacking team in the league. Um, regardless of Leicester, Tonkin, Southampton. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I've done the Jimenez transfer by the way, so I quite like that. Um, I think Bobby, it's just, he's just he's not out of form. 
in real life. He's just out of form in terms of scoring, which matters in FPL. So I think I've gone for Jimenez there, and that'll give me enough money next week to bring in. Well, I'd had enough money anyway, but I'll be able to bring in Pulisic, and then can probably have a another tinker afterwards. Um, what are you thinking for transfer wise? I've got a few question marks. Um, yeah, Malenko being a made one. Um, the gamble on Brighton players only paid off once, and that was Montoya, and got me a decent return one week. But he got a minus two last week, uh, well last game week against United. Uh, Conley's done nothing up front, but at four point six million, what you'd expect. And then my my question mark is over Allison in goal because we're not keeping clean sheets. We should, on paper, with the easier runner fixtures, keep clean sheets. But at 5.8 million, there's a lot more value for money in terms of goalkeepers out there. We're getting more safe percentage points and picking up four, five and six points rather than one or two, which Allison's getting lately. Um, And then maybe Eric Peters, since he's come back from his injury at Burnley, is not got back into the team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my defence is pretty much bargain basements I've got Alexander Arnold, Lundstrom, Peters, Montoya and Martin Kelly Mine's quite similar to that <laughs> And I generally go with Obviously Trent starts And then two of the rest Whoever's playing at home Now I would have went Martin Kelly probably But Liverpool are going to Palace So that's a no um, Brighton uh, what, what did we say Brighton were this weekend They are away um, this weekend honestly the homes are Leicester this weekend mm-hmm. questionable at best um, Sheffield United host United which we've uh, Man United which we said which is Lundstrom and Eric Peters isn't starting for Burnley <coughs> excuse me and they go to Watford which you'd like to think Burnley could keep a clean sheet there but he's not playing so I've sort of got to do something there but I've got 2.4 million in the bank so I think I'll go maybe pieces to Soyuncu which is only a 0.3 rise yeah Um, and then I might take a minus 4 to maybe just get Montoya out and get another 4 or 5 million defender in if you've got any recommendations I should listen to them and select somebody else um mid-range defenders let me just go back on the transfer tab I mean I'm not sure what the how they are uh ownership wise but you could do Chilwell as more of a premium and then did you do you have Tamori no I've, I've mentioned him on a previous pod haven't mm-hmm. I as well you could do Tamori for Peters and then Chilwell for not say on uh, for the other bloke <laughs> Mm. What's yes. Chilwell owned? Chilwell is owned 12.5%. And mm. 5.7 million, it's not a bad. Mm. Sayonju's pretty much the same, he's 13.5. So it's, it's not I really... could only have one though because I've got Madison on Vardy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But if you do if you do Tamori over Sayonju and then Chilwell, it depends which one you think gets more points, I suppose. Um well, Sayuncu's got more points than Chilwell, actually, so that might not actually make any any sense whatsoever. <laughs> mm. 
Because I think I think Sir Andrew gets more bonus points because he's a mod scum. Yeah, they just give him points just for doing step overs and random other stuff that he and, does. And he looks like Lord Farquaad. Oh yeah, of course. Uh... So I mean, Sir Andrew's probably the better better value there. And then in terms of other midish range defenders, oh god, I wouldn't touch Bournemouth. I never trust them. You've got Martin Kelly. Palace have really good fixtures after us. Um, There's not a lot out there. No, I, mean, I, I was looking at this myself, and I I, I need to get Addy to upgrade one of mine as well. But I mean, if I, I could afford could go him, Sheffield United, but then I don't really want to double up on Sheffield United. No, I know it's I'll, a I'll, I'll ruin their season. I don't want to do that to them. <laughs> uh, I have well, Villams. No, why would you do that if you unless you mean? <sighs> I mean, Wolves' defence, what's their record like? Because, I mean, Doherty, I mean, Doherty's quite expensive. That's the problem. Do, do, do. No, they always concede, apart from against Man City. Well done, Adama. I mean, on paper, they've got relatively okay fixtures. Mm. Bournemouth, Sheffield United well, and West Ham. If, if Emerson, I think Emerson started Chelsea's last game. You could get Emerson in. He has mm. potential attack and return on but he end up might rotating with Alonso or something like that. What I think I'll do is I'll I'll make the three on two transfer straight away mm-hmm. now. And he's he's a shoe in and then I'll probably wait until the weekend and see what managers are saying in terms of mm. fitness and stuff like that because the might... international break you don't know who's fit and who's not fit. Yeah, even if it might be worth waiting to see what Jose does in his first game, because if they improve defensively and say they settle on, I don't know, even if it is Aurier and Davis as fullbacks, they certainly become options in the game. But at the minute, I wouldn't gamble on either of them. Yeah. Well, I've done so, aren't you? That's, yeah. That's confirmed. Um, and then. I will figure it out from there, but mm, it's 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 a hard one. There's not defense there's not has one been team. The, it's been the stickler this season, hasn't it? There's not really one team who's keeping it tight yeah. consistently, and could get Lovren. I, to me, it's open to guy. That's almost as optimistic as suggesting I put Henderson in my team as captain. I should buy a Dharma. But yeah, I'm hoping Liverpool start keeping clean sheets because it would help, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be really nice if we could just win a game two 0 rather than two one. It just that's, helps so much a, more. That's boring. <laughs> uh, but you are right. But uh, yeah, say Andrew's been. Well, he's probably been the gamble, uh, not the gamble, the um, bargain of the uh, the season so far. Really. Um, but yeah, wait and see. The defence has been tough this season. I mean, Tamari's probably the boring pick. But outside of that, there's not really much there. There's not many teams that have been that good defensively other than Sheffield United and doubling up on them. It's a, bit... it's a very big gamble. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely is. Maybe United, but they're expensive. Nah. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> a bit too far. Martial is enough, thank you. Too far. Uh, even, even well, Mark Roberts probably stopped listening as soon as you talked about Martial earlier. <laughs> uh, but anyway, 
Uh, we'll finish on captain picks. We've gone a bit longer on this one, but international break and Mourinho news and all that. Uh, who are you going with with uh, captain? As it stands, my captaincy is on Manny, and I will probably stick with that. Um, most of my players are away fixtures. Um, the only home players I've got is Lundstrom, De Bruyne, and Yarmolenko. I usually do go for a home player. Um, the only other one potentially would be Vardy away to Brighton. Um, mm-hmm. But if Salah's out, then obviously the the fulcrum of the pressure then goes on to Bobby, 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 and Manny. <laughs> uh, Jesus, don't go in there. Um, you can keep that one in. Um, so yeah, I'll probably stick with Sadio and. Maybe put a vice captaincy on Vardy, but I think Manny's going to start anyway. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I've gone De Bruyne myself. Similar to you, all my games are away. So De Bruyne at home against Chelsea. Although Chelsea have improved defensively, they're still a bit of a mess. So I think De Bruyne um, and Kante will probably be injured because he always is, apart from games against us. Um, he should he should have enough space and stuff in that game. And they tend to bounce back after getting beat. He was very good last night as well, De Bruyne, I will say. And albeit against Cyprus, but he was all over the pitch pulling the strings. He was very good last night. Kante's fit, according to FPL, by the way, for what it's worth. He's always fit. He's just in ice till he plays us. <laughs> yeah, but he is fit in terms of FPL terms. Pulisic has got a yellow triangle. Oh, I've not brought him in yet, anyway. But we'll see with that one. Um... But yeah, I'm going to go De Bruyne. I've put vice-captaincy on Ali just so when De Bruyne doesn't play, it ruins my whole weekend. Um, <laughs> why oh, not? No. Let's get spicy. I might change that around just to ruin it. Um, <laughs> if Ali scores like a hat-trick, I am going to be fucking fuming next week. But uh, anyway, it's uh, this has been the uh, Fantasy Football Show. Thank you, Jay, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Podcast Network.